Hey friends, I'm so glad that you're joining us here this morning as we worship together. Take a minute right now and put your name in the comments saying you're here and that you're worshiping. That way, whoever is here and worshiping, we can get a sense of community of, of all those people who are who are worshiping right now. And, and if you happen to watch this later, feel free to do the same thing. Write your name out. Say, hey, I'm here. I'm worshiping with you. That way we get a great sense of, of the cloud of witnesses, the, the many believers uh, around Michigan and, and around maybe the United States that we are worshiping together with, with one mind, with one thought, and, and we have the Spirit that are, is uniting us together as one body of believers. As, as the Lord unites us together through the Spirit, let us begin through hearing God's Word to us. Would you join me in a prayer before we dive into God's Word this morning? Father, we come before you. We thank you for your Word. Um, we ask that you would prepare our hearts, prepare our minds, prepare our ears, um, and remind us of your goodness, your blessing, your grace, and your gift of the Holy Spirit. Uh, as we talk about you and your Holy Spirit uh, in this passage in John, um, we pray that we would hear things in a new way and that they would inspire us and touch us in a new way, um, make things fresh for us, that we can be empowered by your Spirit as we go through our week to create and bring your peace to this world. We ask this in your holy name. Amen. You know, Emily, we've been talking about the Holy Spirit for the last several weeks. Um, in particular, we've been saying, talking about and looking at the Spirit of the Lord in the Old Testament. The Spirit of the Lord as the Spirit came at creation. Uh, the Spirit breathed life, the Ruach into Adam, who was formed of uh, the dust of the earth. Then we saw the Spirit coming upon Samson, that he could act powerfully in powerful ways. Then we saw how the Spirit would come upon the prophets to speak the word of the Lord, another action that the Spirit would cause them to do that they wouldn't be able to do on their own. Then this last week, we looked at Ezekiel and how the Spirit of the Lord would dwell within people. And today, we're going to turn to the New Testament, and we're going to read about how the disciples received the Spirit of the Lord from Jesus, how Jesus breathed the Spirit in to the disciples. But if you're thinking this is Pentecost today, <laughs> uh, the day where we normally celebrate the Holy Spirit coming, uh, you would be wrong because today is not Pentecost. Pentecost is in two weeks. And in two weeks, we're going to look at Acts uh, where the Spirit comes upon the disciples powerfully. And we're going to talk about that then. But maybe you didn't know, but the Spirit, uh, Jesus breathes the Spirit into the disciples in John chapter 20, shortly after his death, uh, before his ascension. So we're going to look at that. Uh, together, John chapter 20, verses 19 through 23. So grab your Bible. If you have a minute, take, take a minute, pause it. Grab your Bible, open it up to then, and we're going to read about how Jesus breathes his spirit into his disciples. So let's read those words together. On the evening of the day, the first day of the week, 
the doors being locked where the disciples were for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father sent me, even so I am sending you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven of them. If you withhold forgiveness of any, it is withheld. So here we see that Jesus has risen from the dead. And it's shortly after that that the disciples, they're fearful and they're hiding in this room and the door's locked. And, and this is actually shortly before um, uh, Thomas doubts, right? Uh, so Thomas isn't with them at this point. Uh, so this is before that section of scripture, but it's there that Jesus comes to them. The door's locked. He still comes in and he stands among them. And two times his words are, peace be with you. Shalom Aleichem, peace be with you. He greets them and he gives him peace because they were not peaceful at that point in time. They were actually quite fearful, fearful of the Jews and what would, what would be happening to them. And he knew what they needed right then and right there. Yeah, peace be with you here is more than probably what we're, our ears are tuned to hear. I think often we, and we say peace be with you. That kind of sounds like a good morning greeting, right? Um, it's a little deeper than that. Peace, shalom. Shalom is the way God intended something. It's his shalom is the restoration of which he initially created the world to be. So Jesus is saying and declaring to them, God's shalom is with you now. Um, it's not, you don't have to be afraid. Um, so it's more than just, hey guys, good morning. Uh, it's God's shalom is, is being enacted right now and breathing shalom into you. Um, and so I think it's important to notice that um, there's, I, as I was thinking about that, what came to mind was our sending blessing that we often read mm -hmm. or hear from Numbers um, 624 which is, and if you hear it with these word, or with the frame of thinking about God's shalom and what peace means, hear these words a little bit differently. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you his peace. So these words were also the words that the Israelites and the Jews would say to each other. This was a um, a phrase or um, a passage from the Torah that they would repeat over and over again, similarly to what we do when we give this sending blessing. So Jesus' words are very um, calculated here because he's saying this is the fulfillment of God's blessing from the Torah. Mm. Yeah, and and he wasn't done there. It's not like he was just coming and saying, Shalom, uh, things are the way they should be, and, and we're going to uh, receive blessing, and, and we're going to be fruitful, and we're going to uh, receive all the blessings that are, are with, with shalom, justice, and, and peace, and mercy, and, and, and wellness, and all those things. That, that's not, uh, what we'll see is, is he gives them that shalom, but then he, he sends them out 
on a mission. The disciples are really, in this passage, commissioned for service. Uh, it's, it's a passage which says, you are supposed to be little Christs. You are supposed to be Christians, and, and you disciples are supposed to do just as Jesus has done before you. You're supposed to act and walk and do the things that he is doing. And he's going to prepare them for that as well. And I think he's he's also, obviously, he's empowering them, right? Um, the analogy that I came across this week was there's a difference between a composer who is um, achieving or creating something and someone who is implementing it or enacting mm-hmm. it, right? And so that's the, you go and you be little Christs. Um, God yeah. and in Jesus Christ and the death and the resurrection has defeated death and sin and has, has done the first fruit work and then now is enabling and empowering the disciples as the first fruit of believers with the Holy Spirit to be little Christs. And so Jesus says in verse 21, just as the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. And if that sounds somewhat familiar, there's other places in the Gospels where Jesus says a similar thing. Matthew chapter 10, verse 40, whoever receives you receives me. And whoever receives me receives him who sent me. And then Matthew 18, a little bit later, whoever receives one such child in my name receives me. So you have someone receiving a child in Jesus' name, and they're actually receiving Jesus at that point. Luke 10, verse 16, the one who hears you hears me, and the one who rejects you rejects me. And the one who rejects me rejects him who sent me. So we have that logical chain that goes back to the Father, just as, saying, uh, just as Jesus is saying, as the Father, so I send you. So now anything that you do, you're doing on behalf of me, which is really on behalf of the Father. And then finally, uh, earlier in John, John chapter 12, verse 44, and Jesus cried out and said, Whoever believes in me believes not in me, but him who sent me. Going back to the one who sent Jesus, which is the Father. So Jesus himself here, he's commissioning his disciples because they're to be the salt of the earth. They're supposed to be the light of the world. And and he wants to prepare them for a task that's set before them, uh, the same task that the Father set before Jesus himself. So both Jesus' mission and the church's mission, which is initiated here by Jesus' command to the disciples, are from God. They're from God the Father. Um, So the church's mission is actually God's mission, which is why we need to be empowered. We can't do it on our own accord. But we also have to recognize that the Holy Spirit then is not just for our personal benefit. It's for us to bring shalom into the world. It's for us to active, be active with God. It's not just so that we feel intimate with God. That is a beautiful benefit that we receive. But we, the Holy Spirit is empowering for witness, for mission. Jesus is sending his disciples Uh, But he has confidence in them that they can be the witnesses into the world. 
Um, but it's it's notable here that Jesus is not giving them the option. He's not saying, here's the Holy Spirit if you need it, if you decide you want to do this. This is a command. Um, he's saying, as the Father has sent me, I am sending you. Um, there's not uh, an out for them here, right? And so we have to hear those words too. This is a command. It's not if you feel like doing it, and if you get around to it, here's the Holy Spirit. This is a command. We are empowered um, for mission with God. And I think if you think about representing Jesus to the world, I would think that's a responsibility that's way too heavy for me to do on my own. Yeah. Right. And that's why Jesus breathes into them the spirit. You know, uh, the commentator Frederick Dale Bruner, he puts it this way. Representing Jesus Christ in the world is too heavy for even believing and commissioned disciples to bear. Therefore, there is a gift. And this comes with Christ's coming. The Holy Spirit is not the second blessing, he says nor are the disciples given conditions for this gift. He says, there's no necessity in this specific passage where Jesus says, repent, empty yourselves entirely, confess, yield utterly to this will. Instead, Jesus is here. He says, he gives the Holy Spirit just as he gave himself for us. Frederick Dale Bruner says, the Spirit is a sheer gift to us. And so all of those who believe in Jesus Christ as their Lord, and they believe in him as one who uh, lived and he died and he was resurrected, um, have been sanctified by the Spirit who has been breathed into them, who dwells within. And this picture of Jesus breathing into the disciples, the Spirit, I think brings to mind perhaps some of the passages that we have studied already during this series. And if you haven't been with us during the time when we have been looking at these various passages, I encourage you, go check out those other sermons so you can can see uh, what perhaps the people who are watching right now see. As, as we look back to the first passage that we studied, we saw the Spirit. It was the Spirit who breathed life into Adam. It was it was the breath that went into the nostrils, and now we see Jesus bringing new life by way of bringing the Spirit into the lives of the disciples, and it's, and it's reminding of us this, this new creation that is starting within people. And that even brings us to the passage that we talked about last week, Ezekiel 36, where the Spirit was promised to come within people. There was this image of, of a heart, a heart of stone, one that is, is, is cold and hardened, uh, and it's going to be removed. And there's going to be this new heart that's implanted into the Israelite people, uh, a new heart of flesh that's warm, that's, that's something that's, that's malleable, that's something that is, is in tune to the will of God, and then God's Spirit will dwell in them. And so Jesus himself right now, he's breathing in to these people, the disciples, giving them that new heart. Those words are coming true that the Spirit will dwell within the people of God, and the Spirit will, will empower them 
to follow God's law. And now Jesus says it's empowering them for something else. It's empowering them for, for mission to be those who bring the message of Jesus. Now, as the disciples are being awakened to this, this new life, they're commissioned to do just as Jesus did, which is in reality, they're commissioned to be agents of forgiveness. It's, it's God who gave this gift of forgiveness um, to his son Jesus to give to others. And Jesus, therefore, he, he laid down his life uh, that we would believe in him and receive that same forgiveness, that, that same gift. And the disciples have learned over and over again about this gift of forgiveness the entire time that they have watched Jesus as Jesus ministered with his people, a deep, uh, a lasting forgiveness, this unmerited gift, which is given to you through Jesus and his sacrifice, something that, that we didn't do anything to earn on our own. Um, as a friend of mine likes to put it, it it's not a, a, a 90% off Kohl's coupon. What Jesus does in our life, it, it, he doesn't get us 90% of the way there that we need to do 10. It's, it's a full 100% forgiveness. Uh, and that is what we as followers of Jesus Christ, that's what the disciples as followers of Jesus Christ are, are called to be. They're called to be these agents of forgiveness to, to show, explain, and give others forgiveness. And it's right there. If, if you forgive, then others are forgiven. But I, I think it's interesting that Bruner says this. He says, how they're forgiving. It's, it's not namely that they're just forgiving, but it's, it's they're just, they're giving forth the good news of Jesus. As you give forth the good news of Jesus and someone receives that, it's, it's Jesus and, and the Spirit who are, are, are actually doing the forgiving in there, right? It's, it's not us who actually forgive the people, but we, we speak of Jesus, we speak about the truth of who He is and, and what He has done to our life. And it's the Spirit who arises faith in that individual. It's the Spirit who sanctifies them and it's the Spirit who enters them too, by entering in someone who's, who's repentant and someone who, who believes in Jesus. And like I said, this isn't a new and complex thing that the, the disciples are doing. They've seen Jesus do this over and over and over. But this extending forgiveness or this giving forth of Jesus, giving forth of the Jesus who provides forgiveness, it's a two-sided responsibility we, we see in this passage in the last verse. It's the Spirit who, who gives us the power to, to give that good news to others that, that they have been forgiven, uh, that God forgives them for what they have done. But it's also imperative that there's that other side, that, that we need to, to warn others lovingly, not, not pointing out fault, not doing it out of, of hate uh, or, or harm, but to, to warn others who live in sin that there is, is another way of, of good news. It's, it's a way where God desires to give them peace. He desires to, to give them shalom. 
He, he desires them to be some, a part of something that's bigger than just themselves. He desires them to be a part of his, his kingdom of people, which stretches across time. It stretches across places. It stretches across our entire globe. People who believe in Jesus Christ understand his name and are ready and willing to live for him no matter what that means. So it's good for us to see here that the authority that Jesus is um, gave the apostles is a to pronounce forgiveness of sins is extended through the church by preaching the gospel, which is one of the main things the church is commissioned to do. Uh, we can go with certainty, um, with the assurance of pardon, um, and it's not by the works of our own hands. It's not something we can conjure up on our own. Um, it's not out of the idols of our own hearts, things that are um, tainted or um, out of our own flesh. Only by believing the gospel of God's grace can we expect to hear Jesus say to us, peace be with you. Why don't we pray as we close our time? God, we thank you for your peace. Help us to hear and understand the immensity of your shalom, which you have gifted um, us to be partners with through the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. Um, we pray that we would hear these words and we would find comfort that your peace, your shalom is with us and that we would um, have a, a fire lit in us that um, your shalom is our job too, um, that you have given us the tools and the equipment to do the work and that we don't go it alone um, and we don't have to be afraid and we don't have to be intimidated. It is your spirit who is with us. Help us to understand the gravity of what that means. In your holy name we pray, amen. Hi friends, I'm so glad that you joined us in worship this morning. From wherever you are, I know we have people in Wisconsin watching and people in Michigan and, and wherever you happen to be, we're so thankful that we can be a blessing to you as you hear God's word and, and as you worship him this morning. If this is a, a ministry that you regularly support, uh, we invite you to continue to do so. And we want to say thank you for all the ways that you support our ministry uh, the gifts that God has given you, uh, you give to others. And it's a beautiful thing that when God enters our life, we take all the gifts that we have to offer, all the gifts that he's given us, and we, we give it right back to him. We give it back to him with our time, as we talked about today, as, as we go out on mission uh, perhaps it looks a little bit differently. Maybe you're not leaving your house, but maybe you're being that digital missionary who is, who's sharing the word with, with your friends. And, and maybe it's, it's the gift of money that you've been given and, and, and you, you give it to, to different charities for the work of God's kingdom. And so we invite you to continue to do that right now. Uh, take a moment, uh, go on princetoncrc.org and click the donate button. And you can give that way to a variety of the areas of our ministry, including the Benevolence Fund, which, which goes out to, to people who are in, in need and, and don't quite have the means to, um, to care for themselves in that way. 
The other way that you can give is by writing a check and sending it to 5330 Kalamazoo Avenue, Kentwood, Michigan. And we want to just say thank you for all the ways that you use your gifts uh, to bless others and to glorify God. Right now, I want to take a moment to invite you back next week, same time, same place in your house, or wherever you happen to be, uh, as my friend Joel comes and preaches on the Holy Spirit's involvement in sanctification. Joel, great friend of mine, is a missionary, along with his wife. Uh, they work on the campus of LCC International University in Lithuania, and he's taken time uh, this week to record a sermon to send us so we can we can hear him and see him and, and have some involvement from him. So please come back next week and hear a word from the Lord from Joel and worship the Lord together with him and all of uh, all those other and all those who are around the world. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you his shalom, his peace. Amen. Go to love and serve the Lord throughout this week.